Welcome in, everybody. Let's get right into it. Now, there have been a ton of major happenings going down with Disney that are really not in their favor lately. And I think the root of it all started with their streaming service, though I know plenty of people uh, blame the the previous head of Disney, uh, Bob Chapek, or as people who I know work for Disney call him, Bob Paycheck. Um, I've I've harped on it for as long as I can remember, but Disney Plus shows and movies had... They've either had the problem of being far too short or not being exciting and engaging at all. Uh, the, the two biggest test cases have been their Star Wars and Marvel franchises. Now, for example, who is still talking about Kenobi or Book of Boba Fett? Nobody. Who's raving about Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, or Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Not a peep. But why? Well, because for one reason or another, they all lost their core audiences and did not hold any real interest. Sadly enough, any good show like Loki or The Mandalorian have become the exception rather than the rule. But let's talk about The Mandalorian for a second, because it's gotten the lowest ratings out of all three seasons, and a lot of fans are saying that they either quit Disney Star Wars altogether, or they were incredibly disappointed in it. There, there have not been too favorable of a view uh, on this latest season. Now, season three uh, wrapped up not too long ago, and I gotta say, I have to agree. It was really dis- disappointing and, and lackluster. Uh, it felt very shocking uh, after the first two seasons. And I, I remember I had theorized that this would be the season to focus on reunification of the clans and claiming the planet Mandalore uh, with Din Djarin being sort of this reluctant king kind of character or uh, at, at least a leader who had been forced into the role. But what we got, I mean, it, it was a lot of scattered plot. It, it was senseless side quest uh, adventures. Um, it's a very watered down shoot 'em up that made little sense in a lot of places. Uh, th- there was a ton across the season that was less than satisfactory, if not just downright boring. Now, firstly, the third season is lacking almost all sense of originality that we had in abundance in the first season. Nothing is really new. We've we've had all the same characters for the most part, and the the new ones that we get in the season are kind of grown and eye roll worthy. But we'll get to that later. 
Um, we, we have this big feeling, like I said, of side questing going on, uh, like with Dr. Pershing. Uh, his story kind of goes nowhere uh, other than to submit that the New Republic is pretty horrific and uh, just as terrible as the Empire was. Like, they torture and brainwash people. So, yeah, it's it's just about... That's just about it. It's, it's just the Empire in uh, more diverse outfits and uh, alien species running the things and uh, yeah, it deserves to be destroyed. We we also get the same old villain that we've had for the past two seasons with Moff Gideon. And we did get our first glance at the, uh, the Shadow Council that's controlling the, um, the standing Imperial Remnant for the most part uh, across the galaxy. Uh, this shadow council that's comprised of moths and admirals and administrators that's scattered around the galaxy. Now that part was kind of cool, but considering what we know that we could have had with the old EU and uh, the Warlord era that lasted for a good, like, 40 books and a couple of dozen comic book runs. I, I mean, it's very bland and vanilla to me, and I know to a lot of others. And this version of the Council, as well as uh, Disney Star Wars shows in general, kind of highlight a big problem for me. Uh, they make the galaxy of Star Wars feel just so small uh, when it's actually abysmally massive and again I, not to sound like you know I'm beating this horse into glue but and I really do hate being one of those guys one, one of those nerdy guys that's like oh well in the books you know but in the old expanded universe we understood just how big the galaxy was. You could feel it. During the Warlord era, which uh, in, in the old version of the time period that the Mandalorian inhabits, uh, about five years after Endor, the, the galaxy is divided up into a whole bunch of different regions, and they're all vying for power. And these are just the Imperials we're talking about here. You, you had the Pentastar Alignment, uh, the the Greater Maldrud, Zinja's Empire, the core sector-centric uh, Imperial Remnant that had Coruscant as its capital. Uh, you had the Empire of the Hand with Grand Admiral Thrawn, uh, kind of out in the Unknown Regions. Uh, you had the Ariadu Authority, the Empire Reborn under a cloned Emperor Palpatine, if that doesn't sound familiar. And those are just the major players out there. And uh, just within the Empire's scope of things. Uh, I mean, you still had minor outliers and warlords like uh, Blitzer Harsk with the Zero Command. He was in the Deep Core. Uh, 
or the maw command under Natasi Dalla. But in other sectors of the galaxy, um, like I said, remember that that's just the Imperials. You also had other big factions that, that were kind of throwing their weight around, uh, right? You, you had the Hapens and uh, the hegemony of the Hapes cluster. The, the Huts still had their ironclad rule over Hut space. Uh, the Avathan Duskon League, their fleet of captured star destroyers known as the Black Fleet. And there, there's a few dozen unaligned sectors and governments that wanted nothing to do with either the New Republic or the Empire. And this is something that I think would radically help Disney Star Wars become much stronger and more fan engaging if they would just make things as big and as interesting as they used to be. I mean, take the sequels, for example. Everything happens in what? A year's time? Just a year? Maybe a little over a year? And what, what happens? The Republic that we know nothing about gets wiped out in a couple of hours. The bad guys get beaten pretty easily. Their leaders get killed pretty easily. Uh, we have no connection to any of the main characters. Uh, no, no one's story really gets told. I mean, we thought we were going to get some stories told. Like there's this stormtrooper that goes rogue. And, and joins the rebellion. We've had that story before. The, those of us that are very familiar with the EU, that story is pretty prevalent in, in the books. Um, there's, there's a lot of ex-Imperials or ex-Stormtroopers that become really important characters. So that's a story that got us excited. But we didn't get to see or hear or experience Finn's story at all. We, we got a little bit of background. We, we got him um, screaming Ray's name. We, we see him get sliced in the back by a lightsaber that should have killed him, if not permanently paralyzed him, because... He gets a lightsaber right across the spine. It's very lackluster. It's very disappointing. I, I mean, again, this all goes back to my main point. What the EU gave us, it was a galaxy's worth of substance. That's, I think, my main point, is the new stuff is lacking substance. I mean, hell, there's a whole book dedicated to Han Solo kidnapping Princess Leia because the Republic is trying to marry her off to Princess Older of the Hapes Cluster, which is a very wealthy and, and uh, fleet-rich government, uh, in order to gain their support. Now, it's not one of the best books in the old EU, by far. Um, a lot of people think it's a boring read, but... We get a 
lot of background and emotion and heavy universe-impacting subplot and all these tangible consequences that carry on in later books and, and stories. And the book is basically just Han getting over himself and stop being a, you know, him stopping being a smug asshole and eventually asking Leia to marry him while he's on the run from the government. It's a, it's a pretty fun premise. Uh, and also way more than we got in, say, the third season of The Mandalorian. Which leaves fans like me very confused. Because if, if there's all of these great stories and, and rich, deep lore to draw from, why are Disney's Star Wars showrunners continuously dropping the ball? I, I understand that we cannot have all of the OG characters back in action again. Um, Luke, Han, Leia, Chewie, and the rest. Uh, for various reasons, I get it. Um, a big reason being that the damn sequel trilogy really boxed us in with exactly how certain stories would have had to end it up, uh, you know, but you could create new characters and, and give them those stories. And they would still work. I mean, like I said, the galaxy is a huge place. You could make those new characters, which is what Disney did. They did make those new characters. They just didn't give them any story. They didn't give them any substance. They just said, here... Isn't in, isn't this new thing shiny? Play with it. We're like, come on, give us something. But but yeah, digressing back to this this tiny ass feeling that Mando season three gave us. It's just another big reason why it feels so small and sheer lack of how many Mandalorians we actually get in the show. I mean, you're talking about a culture that spans across the galaxy, right? And we get maybe, what, 50 individuals in the show? That's, that's it? I mean, in the Knights of the Old Republic game, uh, in its history, when the Mandalore called, the warrior clans responded from across the galaxy and it was enough of a gathering to create a fleet and an army that conquered whole systems and threatened the Old Republic. But what we got? About 50 Mandalorians, a couple of Clawcraft fighters, about five gauntlets, and a super easy-to-blow-up light cruiser? And a couple of Gazanti class that just disappeared out of nowhere. Um, don't know. Don't know what happened to about half of that fleet. Whenever the Tie Fighters and bombers went up to destroy the light cruiser, I, I don't. I, I mean, this this is what I mean by there being a size problem, and why Disney Star Wars needs to 
look at what we used to have in order to save itself. I mean, hell, look at how well it worked out for other franchises. Who doesn't still feel this rush of emotion when they see the ride of the Rohirrim in the return of the king to save Gondor? Or, I, I know th this is a personal favorite of mine, but when whenever Bane and his criminals uh, clash with the cops in the, the Dark Knight movie, or how about Marvel? The biggest cinematic fight between Thanos' army and all of the assembled Avengers and the, their gathered forces of dead wizards and as guardians and Wakandan warriors. I mean, fans love big armies and, and huge fleets of ships and heroes and villains. And it doesn't need to be an all-the-time thing, necessarily. I mean, you don't have to have the Battle of, of Endor every episode or every movie. I mean, it, it can have a steady and casual buildup, you know, giving us time to, to breathe and grow uh, with the situations, you know, it, it, that lead up to the final fight. But we could still have some great you know, dog fights with some squads of fighters. We could see the Mandalorians needing to, like, free a city or, or a planet from an Imperial Remnant faction. Uh, we, we could have had a Dark Jedi or an Inquisitor leading some kind of crusade to establish a new faction that cuts into Mandalorian space. I mean, the possibilities. Nearly endless. And... In its place, we got something that was very, very disappointing to fans across the aisle, it seemed. But what made it so disappointing, aside from its lack of, of size and substance? Well, we, we had some very big name cameos that were just kind of throwaway jokes, basically. And they were really very cringe-worthy, <laughs> uh, at, at least to some of us. And it's Jack Black, it's Lizzo especially. Uh, a weird one for me was Christopher Lloyd, because they made him this separatist who uh, was having this army of reprogrammed battle droids go they were killing people in this clandestine nature and all of this felt like a Clone Wars episode or Star Wars Rebels episode to be honest and not a Mandalorian episode it I, I could feel Dave Filoni's writing <laughs> in this episode especially and it's one of those side questy episodes, and I I hate those because this is only what an eight episode season. What are we doing? Doing side quests? Why are we side questing? We we only have maybe 30, 35 minutes an episode. It's not a lot of time to get things done, and. 
I, I think the the budget was ten to fifteen million dollars an episode. And this is how you're spending it? Like why? It it doesn't make any sense. Especially if you're writing a Clone Wars episode for the Mandalorian. Because that's where those cameos fit. Not in this space western turned kind of war preparation series. It, it fits in a silly, comical, slash dark and serious cartoon about war. That's where this kind of episode fits. And how, how do I explain? You ever have a party and a couple walks in and they just suck the energy out of the room and now no one is having fun anymore? That's what those cameos did to this damn season. I, I mean, we side quested for absolutely no reason. It just pisses me off. And if that episode and the ones where we focus on Dr. Pershing were changed instead to deal with, I don't know, Mandalorian-centered issues? Or if we had Moff Gideon's spy, Elia Kane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that captured Imperial that was on Coruscant getting... Uh, getting reprogrammed in the New Republic uh, Reformation system. If we had her like go on all of these secret undercover missions and things, that would be really cool. I, I would I would love that. Make it a make it an Andor esque episode, and I'd be perfectly fine with that. Andor was great. But I, I think this season would have been received far better than it actually was with most fans either rating it very low or uh, deciding to stop watching altogether again there are other Mandalorian factions that were created by Disney that still exist in universe that we could have seen we could have had like the Saxon clan uh, the Ren clan with Sabine Wren, by the way, who's going to be in the Ahsoka series that came from Rebels. Um, you had the Protectors of Concord Dawn. And all of these are from the Clone Wars and Rebel shows. N not to mention the other clans that pledged loyalty to Bo-Katan at the end of her arc in Rebels. And the weird thing is Mandalorian's five years after Endor, Rebels is kind of in is happening in between the movies. So it, it's not that far apart. It's like maybe 10 years apart. So all of these clans of Mandalorians, they're still out there. We, we could have gotten a lot more than we did based on what we know is out there because of what Disney's given to us previously. It, it could have been a lot bigger, a lot better. It, it, to put it simply, <laughs> it could have been a lot better. 
Now, we're, we're also kind of Monday morning quarterbacking. And, and there are those classic questions of, you know, wait, how did this happen? Or, you know, why did they do that? Um, in several cases, uh, scattered kind of throughout the season that just bugged the hell out of people. Like when Din Djarin gets captured by Moff Gideon's forces, he doesn't have his armor taken off of him. I mean, he's he's still fully armed. He's he's not being led off by this squadron of stormtroopers or a Praetorian guard. I mean, he's, it's just two guys. You have a warrior in full blaster-proof armor, and you're just like, nah, two guys, you, you got this. You can, you can handle him. I mean, really? <laughs> also, how exactly did Grogu get to him if the blast doors got sealed, you know, between where he and Din were, and if Grogu's running off with all the rest of the Mandalorians when they're escaping? And why did no one else go with the child to save Din Djarin? And also, if this is some, you know, massive... Uh, secret Imperial base. Uh, where's all the stormtroopers and officers and uh, Imperial droids and things? I, I don't know. The the plot ha the plot armor is very heavy with this season. Um, so I, I think that all of that kind of surmises the issues with this third season of The Mandalorian and. It was bad. It, it, it was really bad. Uh, almost as bad as the rest of Disney's issues at the moment. Uh, I mean, they're getting rid of Disney Plus, basically, and combining it with Hulu. They had to shut down their Star Wars hotel. Uh, there's absolutely no excitement or, uh, around things like the Marvels, uh, Ant-Man Quantumania did less than great at the box office. Uh, visitation to the parks is getting low due to constant price hikes. So, yeah, D Disney's not doing so well at the moment. Um, and unfortunately, I think it's going to affect Star Wars in a major way. I think it's going to affect Marvel in a major way. I, I don't foresee this going well for either franchise, unfortunately. But, you know, maybe this will be for the better. Instead of the watered-down, cardboard cutout schlock Disney has been giving us, maybe we'll actually get something worth a damn. You know, maybe they'll recognize their, uh, their faults, and they'll authorize some game developer to make, like, a Star Wars Empire at War II, a, a Battlefront Three, an Imperial Commando game. You know, something actually worth our time and money. Uh, that's another thing that Disney Star Wars uh, really dropped the ball on. Um, the Jedi Survivor game came out, and it's not doing great either. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah, people are just kind of shrugging and being like, eh, it's okay. It's it's out there. The earlier release had a ton of bugs, apparently. It it had a lot of problems uh, in that in that earlier release. But I, I think the showrunners over at Lucasfilm, um, Favreau, Filoni, and Kennedy, unfortunately, are all kind of proud and satisfied in their work. I don't think they're listening to anybody. I, I don't think they're listening to fans. And it's highly unlikely that we'll get something good out of Disney Star Wars for quite some time. Now, in lieu of that, I highly recommend the novel series from the old EU. You know, the, the original Thrawn trilogy, the X-Wing series, uh, the New Jedi Order, the, the old Empire War game, uh, which has a ton of mods that you can add on in Steam. And those are a ton of fun. I, I play those religiously. And then there's the Republic Commando games that you can get. And those are pretty dirt cheap because they're kind of old. But, yeah, it, immerse yourself in quality Star Wars and just relax. Knowing that there's a lot of greatness still to be enjoyed in the franchise. Well, that is all I had for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to more Sci-Fi Unchained. But for now, live long and prosper, my friends. And may the Force be with us all.